0: Test one, two. There we go. Yay. So good. So good. Well, um, as Philip said, we are in a series that we just started on the book of Colossians. This is week two. And I'm so excited about Colossians. Golly, it's a good book. Anybody with me? Has anybody read at all in the last week of Colossians? I encourage you to do that. Thank you. For doing a little uh, homework beforehand, I encourage you. It is so life-giving, and so whether you pull it up on your phone or grab your tablet or grab your actual Bible, but you know, let's let's dive into Colossians over the next couple of weeks. Even if you're just reading a chapter, half a chapter, it's so life-giving. And so last week we were in Colossians chapter two. I'm sorry, ch- chapter one. And if you were here, you remember we talked about the importance of seeing Jesus as supreme and sufficient that he is above all that we talked about remember we talked about thor and the superheroes and the problem with the superheroes is that there's always somebody greater that's coming and until you get to Thanos, of course. Um, and, and that can kind of lend to this idea that maybe Jesus isn't enough, but he is. He is supreme. He is sufficient. He is all we need. He is over every darkness. And last, we talked about Jesus is sufficient, that he is enough. He makes us complete. He has served up a table for us. And so uh, this week, we're going to dive into chapter... Oh, so we ended chapter one by that sweet verse where... Uh, Paul said, and this is the secret. Remember, there was that secret knowledge that was being portrayed out there. And he said, you want to talk about secrets? I'll tell you a secret. The secret is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 27, chapter 1. So now we turn to chapter 2. And it says this, for in Christ... The fullness of God, that should be up there on a slide, the fullness of God lives in a human body, and you are complete through your union with Christ. I want to read it again. For in Christ, the fullness of God lives, this is the New Living Translation, the fullness of God lives in a human body, and you are complete through your union with Christ. Father God, I thank you for today. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your ability to open up our eyes to see, like we've never seen before, who you are, Jesus. Despite how easy it is to get off track and get our eyes on other things in this world, Holy Spirit, we're asking you today that you would continue to call us upward to this view of the kingdom and view of our savior Jesus that changes everything. I pray you'd give us 2020 vision as we look into your word in Jesus name. Amen. amen. And so, um, we're going to kind of we're going to kind of hit it today. We're going to you know debunk some lies um, and I just have two simple ideas. It's not complicated, but if we really dig into it, it's profound. And the first idea is this everything Jesus is, he is in you. Everything Jesus is, he is inside of you. I don't think you and I have any idea what it is that's living or who it is that's living inside of us, like how would we live differently if we understood even just a little bit the magnitude of what it is to have Christ in inside of us, the power and the confidence and the boldness that we walk with. It doesn't mean that life is easy. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden our problems disappear, but it means deep inside, right? We know that that's where real significance, real joy, real happiness, real confidence and boldness. We realize that all all of that deep inside is where it comes from. It's uh, It's not superficial, right? It's not the outside. It's deep inside. Everything Jesus is, he is inside of me. But there's a problem. In Colossians the Colossians church is facing major pressure from from the outside. And that's partly why Paul writes this letter. It's partly why, and we talked a little bit about the pressure last week, but there's more pressure going into chapter 2, and the things that Paul gets into, he really dives into some of the pressure that the Colossians church, church is facing. Have you ever felt... Uh, pressured to do something I think we can all go back to junior high and go yeah definitely well um, I like to tell stories so I'm gonna tell a story so uh, this was a number of years ago I was at a conference and many conferences as you know are kind of in hotels and so um, I was I was coming down from the conference room up in this hotel, and so I was in this elevator. And first of all, elevators are just awkward. I mean, do you talk to people when you're in the elevator? Where, do you face Do you face the door? You walk in, especially when it's crowded, right? You walk in, and it's like everyone's looking at you, and so you just turn around and right face forward. Don't make eye contact, especially if it's a long elevator ride. You know what I'm talking about? It's awkward. And so, anyways, the place the the, the elevator was kind of full and we're going down and we stopped and the and the doors open and and everyone gets out, but me and this gentleman. And this gentleman, he was standing by kind of the you know, the buttons, standing there the whole time and everyone's kind of exiting and you could tell he's just, you know, he's waiting to go down to the next floor so and I I, I am too and I'm kind of behind him and so the door closes and again what do you do it's like just just the two of us so I'm like well I don't ever talk to anyone in the elevator I should probably be more friendly but anybody anybody an elevator talker do you strike up conversations bless you you like totally eliminate the awkwardness I just embrace the awkward you know just silence so anyway Stand in, standing in the back of the elevator just hoping that nothing weird happens because something always weird happens to me. So he's standing here and he's next to the little buttons or whatever and he starts talking. But it was, it was evident right away when he started talking that he thought I was somebody else because he started calling me honey and dear. And what I had realized very quickly is that he thought that his wife was still in the elevator and he viewed me in the peripheral of his, of his... And he was just carrying on a conversation with his wife. And I'm back here going, do I say something? Do I say, it's not your? I'm not your wife. And then, and then we're stuck in the elevator together, right? And so I just said nothing, right? And he's just kind of talking as if his wife's like, there with him, you know? And I'm just like, just please, Lord, let's just get to the next floor. And as soon as that door opens, I'm out of here, right? So... Unfortunately, before we got to the next floor, he does this number. And he walks cuz again he's talking, he's convinced that his wife is back here, right? And for whatever reason, he's just standing, I think he was just kind of talking to himself, talking to her, you know, waiting for the deal. And so he goes back, cause like before the door opens to like grab her hand so that they can walk out together. And so I'm like, he's getting closer. Finally, he touches my hand. And I'm like, it's not your wife, it's me. <laughs> he turns around and he's like, ah! So now we're standing in the elevator, super awkward together. He just tried to grab my hand and finally the door opens and we leave. Oh my gosh. Why does this always happen to me, Ed? Anything ever awkward happened to you where somebody's pressuring you to do something that you don't want to do. And so here we are. These precious people in Colossians. I know, I'm going to connect the dots. Don't worry, Mikey. I'm going to connect it. These precious people in Colossians who are, are trying to follow Jesus. And, and, and there's a dilemma because there's so much pressure from this group of people to get them to do certain things. And we're going to read about it in Colossians 2, and I'm going to tell you why. Colossians 2, chapter 8 says this beware lest anyone cheat you through human philosophy according to the traditions of men. And it continues on in verse 16. We're going to go down to that. And it says this, let no one condemn you for what you eat or what you drink or for not celebrating holy days or not new Sabbath. For these rules were only a shadow of the real thing, Christ himself. And so again, in Colossians 1, Paul's saying it's all about Jesus and he's inside of you and that's the whole deal. And everything that Jesus is, he is inside of you. The problem is Colossians is filled with Gentiles. And what you have to understand about Gentiles is it's simple. They're not Jewish. And though We have one amazing Jewish gentleman on the front row, Joel. The rest of us, we are Gentiles. And so we understand what it's like. We are not Jewish. And these people here, the people that Paul was called to, they were not Jewish either. And so the dilemma is the Jewish, wonderful Jewish people, they believed wholeheartedly that though Jesus came, though he died, and was raised to life, that there was still an expectation to get circumcised. But there was still an expectation to follow the rules of the law. And so the Gentiles were not accepted largely because they were like, ah, Paul's saying this, but you're saying that. And we just feel so conflicted about what to do and where we land. And so inevitably, Paul was addressing a deep insecurity that they had in themselves about where they stand because they didn't get circumcised and they didn't know how to follow the law. They certainly weren't measuring up to it. And so there was a deep insecurity in in them about where do I stand with God? I'm so glad none of us struggle with that. Where do I stand with God? And what do I need to do? And what do I need to keep doing? so that I can stay in right standing with God. Now, maybe you're having a good morning. Maybe you're even having a good week and you're like, I'm good. You just wait. Because next week, it may not be so good. Anybody with me? Anybody struggle with this tension of like, where do I land with God? Are we good? And sometimes even when we listen to worship music, Or sometimes when we talk about digging into the Word of God, maybe when I'm talking about getting into Colossians, you're not only like, it confuses me. Anybody get confused by the Bible? But then the other thing is you're like, man, when I get along with God, it's a little awkward like I'm standing in an elevator. Is like, is He going to talk to me? And if He does talk to me, what is He going to say? Anybody, if you're just honest with yourself, you're like, I'm kind of glad that I don't necessarily hear God all that well? Because I'm afraid what he'll say is like, man, you've really been screwing up a lot. You really need to get your act together. What's the deal? I mean, I paid for it all. You can't even live for me, serve me, do you? I mean, am I alone in this reel that plays in our mind and in our head? This is reality, and this was the reality that Paul was addressing with these folks, is that the reality is they had a deep insecurity about where do I stand with God? And what do I do with myself now that I know I can't measure up with the expectations given to me by the leaders of the Jewish law? They were asked to be circumcised and follow the laws of Moses. Jesus is fine. Jesus is good. But Jesus is not enough. It's Jesus plus behavior. I need you to do certain things. Human tradition is about taking something beautiful and uncomplicated and systematizing it so it can be measured and evaluated. Let's say that again. Human tradition, what we do, this is what we do, we take things that are beautiful and simple and uncomplicated and we systematize them so that we can evaluate how one another are doing and then we walk around and we give stars and dots for performance. We elevate people's status because way to go. You're amazing. You're, you're checking all the boxes. And we walk into a church setting and we look at the leaders and the people and we go, wow, they must be given a lot of stars for their, for their church attendance. By the way, oh, we keep track, right, for, for how much Bible reading you do, how many verses do you have memorized, right, your heritage. I mean, we keep track of all this stuff, right, Ed? Ed? And we go, wow, these people must be amazing that they've, they've risen to that status. And then it makes us even more insecure because we know when we look in the mirror that we don't measure up to any of those things. And here we are having the same dilemma that they did in Colossians. Everything Jesus is, he is in you. And I just want to say this right out of the gate that insecurity, put this up there, insecurity, shame, and condemnation have no place in the kingdom of heaven. They have no place. And so, and so as we evaluate and, re, and, 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 and consider the reality of Jesus in us, We have to understand that that gives us great boldness and great confidence that when there's insecurity, when there's doubt, when there's condemnation that comes, you need to know that that's not the message coming to you from heaven. And we see that because of Colossians chapter 2. And again, I I realize we're going to hit a lot of scripture, but like this is so profound. Colossians chapter 2 And this is Paul addressing this reality, the same reality we have today in verse 11. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. Pause. This was the whole deal, right? You're not circumcised. You're not living up to it. And Paul's like, wait a minute. When you came to Christ, something took place in your life. And, 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 and you can't see it physically, which is why you struggle. Because we're always looking for something exterior to prove our merit, to prove our value, to prove our worth. And Jesus is saying, it's not on the outside. That's what the Pharisees did. They said, man, how can we make the outside of the cup shiny so everyone can give you a star and say you're awesome? And Jesus is like, I'm doing something on the inside, something brand new. And so Paul says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. It was a spiritual procedure, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Hello. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised you from the dead. So Paul's saying, what's happened to you isn't, it's not exterior, It's something deep in your being. So some of us, we still struggle with this idea of like, not only where do I stand with Christ, but how solid is this relationship? I mean, we've all had many relationships that were not on solid ground. We got hurt. They left us. They broke our heart. I mean, back to middle school. Hello. We've had so many relationships in our life. Maybe our dad or our mom or that coach. We've all had relationships that have broken our heart. So we step into this relationship with God. And not only are we saying, man, what do I need to do to stay in your graces? But we go, how solid is this thing? And I just need you to know that everything that Jesus is, he is inside of you. And you are so woven together with God. You are woven, he is in you, you are in him, Christ is in God, you are so net tight. And listen, there's a whole theology out there that like, hey, if you're not careful, you'll fall out of the grace of God. If you're not careful, you might just lose this thing altogether. And listen, I just wanna say that's absolute garbage. You are so knit into God. He in you and you in him. He has raised you to life. You are brand new on the inside. You didn't get into good graces with him because of what you did. You're not going to fall out of good graces because of what you've done. And that's not a license to go do whatever we want. That's an empowerment for us to say, man, now I get to live this incredible holy life to God because he's transformed me in my relationship with him and my love in him is solid. That's why Paul can say in Romans chapter 8, what can separate us from the love of God? Let's just ask ourselves that question for a minute. What can, what can separate me from this relationship that I have? How solid is it? What What kind of graces am I in with God? And let's just allow Paul, the writer of Colossians, to answer it in in, in Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus because everything he is, he is in you. So you get up every day, you put your shoulders back, and you walk with a confidence And a boldness that Jesus is inside of me. His love is oozing out of my pores. I am in right standing with him. And now I can go live today like a son and daughter of the king. Come on. That's good news. I'm all fired up. So, everything Jesus is, He is in you. And the second idea is Jesus changes everything. So, not only are you secure, secure in Him. But make no mistake, Jesus is about a total soul makeover. He wants to just transform every little thing about you to make you look like His Son, God, make His Son Jesus to make you talk different and think different and walk different because Jesus is inside of you and He is changing everything. So Paul shifts the narrative. Yeah, He's in you and He's changing you. His power and His miracle-working might. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. And so I just have a simple question for us. Do you believe in the miracle-working power of God? Well, yeah, of course we do. We're in church, Shane, yeah, obviously. Do you believe in the miracle-working power of God? The same question was asked to a guy in the Old Testament named Ezekiel. I love this, this story, and I won't read it all, but I want to explain it just for a second because it's, it's so relevant. And God has, has asked me this using this passage many times. God comes to a prophet named Ezekiel, and he gives him a vision. And we read about it in Ezekiel chapter 37, and it says this, Then the Lord took hold of me, And I was carried away in the spirit to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the old bones, dry bones that covered the valley floor. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? So he took them out into the midst of dead things. And he said... Do you believe in the miracle-working power of God? And Ezekiel's answer was, I don't know, Lord. I mean, if you keep reading, Ezekiel's answer was, only you know, Lord, because I got nothing. Ever been there? Where you're looking at the landscape of life, your dreams, the things you hope for, your relationships, your finances, your health, and, 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 and God says, God says, Can they live? In your lifetime, can you see something come to life that's dead? And Ezekiel's like, I don't know, Lord. I'm going to need help with this one. I'm going to need you to give me faith where I don't have faith. So I'm going to ask you a question again. I want you to read it. Do you believe... In the miracle working power of God to change you to change your spouse to change your kids to change your circumstances or are you still striving and working to just be in his good graces and just be a little bit better tomorrow than you are today and you're just working and working and working or are you believing that you know what God is doing miracles, he's done a miracle inside of me, and his power can not only change me, but he can change everything about my life. So Paul was saying, listen, religion doesn't work. Because religion is Jesus plus behavior. It doesn't work. It'll make you try really, really hard. And then you get tired and then you mess up and then you'll try really, really hard again and nothing changes except for behavioral modification. But on the inside, nothing's changed. And so Paul is saying, listen to the Colossians church. Why are you letting them steal your joy because you're looking on the outside and I'm telling you, I'm doing something new on the inside. I have done something new in the world and it is about transformation on the inside. I'm reminded daily that this is about a miracle transformation of life. And even as I I think about this church and as I think about the things I pray for you and I pray for our city, and there's oftentimes where I I just kind of get into that lull of like, I don't know if you ever look at your life and you reach that little bit point of anxiety because you feel like your head's going a little bit underwater. You're like, ah, ah, right? I reach that moment when when I come to the end of myself and I go, shoot, I don't have it, I can't do it. There's so many things out of my control. And in that moment, you're underwater, that anxiety. And I'm reminded all the time, in fact, it happened to be this week, as I was driving down the road and I was feeling that, and just like that, the Holy Spirit said, I'm doing it, it's me. Hello. I mean, I'm using you, but it's like mowing the lawn. I used to mow the lawn. I used to have. I used to mow the lawn because I used to not live in Southern California, but um, where we had grass and green things uh, in Washington. I used to have this huge lawn, and I would mow it. And my son was little, and he had this like little kid mower, and I mean kid mower, like plastic, right? Um, but it, you know, it rolled along. And my son would love to use to mow the lawn with me. And I would go out there and we'd mow the lawn. He's like three years old and he just loved to mow the lawn. And so I would mow and then he'd be right behind me. And I'll tell you what was going through his little mind is like, this is an amazing mower because he could see the difference. Like we are, we are, we are making ground. I mean, it was like a, it was like a half acre tall green grass and I would mow it and he's got this big old smile on his face right behind me just like with his mower because he's like this thing is amazing how many know he wasn't doing nothing his dad had invited him to mow behind him and I'll tell you what in life that this is what we do we come along beside God and God's like I got it I just have invited you to come along with me I'm doing something and you're you're powerless to do it, but I'm doing something and it's incredible and it's amazing. So don't settle. Don't settle for like, I guess this is just the way it is. Because you stop believing. And God has, has set this whole thing up. Don't miss this. God has set this whole thing up to be about faith. Jesus, I want to believe. Tomorrow when I get up, I want to say, God, I, I trust you. I believe. And it's not like this working up of faith. It's just, God, open up my heart to say, I have faith to believe that you're doing something. And I trust you in your will, according to your way, is not my will. I'm not I'm not pushing square peg round hole to get my thing done. I am for you and your glory and your plan. But God, I want to wake up with an expectation that my God does miracles beyond anything I could do on my own. And so Ezekiel is taken out into this dry bones and he's like, God, I don't know. I don't know what you can do. And God says here, I know. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to prophesy. And listen, maybe that word sounds like super spiritual, but Proverbs another translation that just says speak to it. Start choosing your words differently. How would you talk if everything that Christ is is in you? And you knew that that power was changing everything. How would you talk How would you believe? I promise you, you wouldn't go around and go, I guess this is going to be like that all the time. I guess I'm just going to be defeated. I guess this is just going to be a bummer. Yep, here we go again. This is just my life. I promise you, you wouldn't live like that. Your your mind and your thoughts and your language, you would change to say, you know what? I'm not going to ignore what's in front of me. This is hard. And yeah, it looks impossible. I'm not going to ignore that. If my arm's broke, I'm going to the hospital. I'm not ignoring it. But here's the reality. Jesus is good. He is working. And he's my healer. And so that's how I'm going to talk. God's healing me. God's healing me. And listen, if someone has cancer, God's healing them. And maybe healing is going to be with Jesus. We don't know. It's his will. But God's still healing. He's still good. I still have faith in him. I haven't given up. I haven't lost hope or lost faith, because God is working, and he is a miracle working power, and so, and so God says in Ezekiel 37, we'll be up there at verse 4, so he said to me, prophesy to these bones, speak to them, quit with that other language you've been using, it's not helping, you're just, you're just stating the obvious, oh, there's dead bones again, I guess these bones are never going to live again, And Paul is saying to the Colossians church, listen, I've done something new in the world. And we're going to read that in Colossians chapter 13 and 15. And I lost my place because I got fired up, but it's going to be good. It says this, you were dead because of your sin. Come on, those bones, they were dead. And because of your sinful nature, yep, it was there. Was, not, was cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins, and he canceled. Come on. He canceled the record that was containing the charges against you. It's canceled. And then it goes on. He destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly. So listen, don't you ever walk another day in your life feeling ashamed. God shamed them on the cross so you don't have to carry shame by his victory over them. So listen, here's my prophecy. Here's my speaking to my, my, my mountains, my dry bones. I'm, I'm made alive. Guess what? I'm alive. I was dead and now I'm alive on the inside. There ain't nothing dead in my life. I'm alive. And everything I do is alive because who Jesus is, he is in me. So I'm alive. So I don't walk around depressed. I don't walk around with my head down. I walk alive around fully alive. He's canceled the record against me. So I don't wonder how I, how I stand with God because that whole record is canceled. Canceled. The record of debt against you and me, it's done. And so you speak to those bones. No, that record's canceled. What I did, what I'm doing, and what I'm going to do, it's canceled, and that empowers me to to, to follow this upward call of God. And lastly, he's disarmed the evil rulers, and I have victory in every area. I have victory. I walk in victory. I don't walk in darkness like we talked about before. This is the life that God has called us to in the midst of our struggle. Jesus is changing everything. Do you feel it? Do you feel that? So when God says, hey, when God says, hey, let, 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 me, let me show you the dry bones. I mean, these are not dry bones, but no. let's just pretend. Okay. Let me show you the dry bones. the elevator okay the dry bones mm-hmm. can they live they can live they can live they can live Why? because he's made me alive I believe so this it. is so this is what we speak to our dry bones when he when he takes you out in the midst of your circumstance and he goes can they live he's inviting you to speak to it yes. Yes. he's inviting you to prophesy to those bones yes they can live Listen. Only you know God. Only you know. You know what what, what you're doing. But I'm going to speak the way that I know you are. You are good. You are healing things. You are restoring things. You are moving things forward. Amen. Alex is going to get saved. (laughs) I'm alive. (laughs) So at the end of this chapter, Jesus. And Paul is inviting us to change our language by changing the way we think. And this is a setup because the first thing that Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 3 is this incredible change of mind and heart. And that's what we're going to pick up next week. But I just want to land here and say, God is inviting you and me to speak to our dry bones. And say, God is doing something. He is powerful in me changes everything father god i thank you for today i thank you for the invitation that you've given us to realize who you are and what you are doing in our midst and so father i pray you'd fill up our mouth with a new word god a new vision for our life and for our circumstances that it would flow out of us like you've invited the colossians church to realize that you are in us the hope of glory and i thank you for that in jesus name